Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. Good morning. I'm reading from John chapter 21 and verses 1 to 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish and on it some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. And Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. our daughter Besson came down for a week to be a part of our bubble. We met up with some old family friends who'd moved to Cardiff and we went out for a lovely meal as part of the Eat Out to Help Out scheme. Oh, it was great after all that time to be able to eat together. Now, Besson's in-laws had moved to Spain a few years ago and obviously haven't been able to come to the UK during the pandemic. Besson and Tom have tried to do virtual meals over Zoom, but it's not really the same. So all those years ago, the disciples were glad to have a real meal with the resurrected Jesus by the Sea of Galilee. How Jesus loved eating and drinking with people. He got exasperated with people who criticised John the Baptist for neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And they claimed that John had a demon. 
However, when Jesus came eating and drinking, were they happy? Oh no, they said, this is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Let's look at three times when Jesus was a guest. Jesus had just called Matthew to be a disciple, and Matthew was so excited, he invited all his friends to a big banquet where Jesus was going to be the chief guests. As Matthew was a tax collector, all his friends were like him, tax collectors, hated people who worked for the Romans and skimmed off the prophets. Did Jesus have any doubts about going there? No, he was delighted. He wasn't concerned about what people would say. The Pharisees and teachers of the law moaned to his disciples. Oh, he's eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus didn't care about his reputation or even about eating food that had been paid for by extortion. If Matthew was a generous host, you could not quite say the same about Simon the Pharisee, who also invited Jesus for a meal. Now, not sure why he treated him as rudely as he did. Perhaps Simon wanted Jesus to come and he was curious about him, but he didn't want his fellow Pharisees to think he was making him too welcome. But whatever the reason, he failed to observe the basic um, courtesies. He didn't welcome him with a kiss. He didn't wash his dirty feet, nor pour oil on his head. And Jesus knew this. It hadn't passed him by. And he pointed out that the forgiven prostitute who'd sneaked into the party and washed his feet with her repentant tears, dried them with her hair, kissed them, and anointed them with expensive perfume, was the more gracious. If Simon was neglectful as a host, Mary of Bethany went the opposite way. Now you can't really blame her. It could have been no mean feat to try and accommodate Jesus and his disciples. And Mary was worn out with all the preparations must have really annoyed her to see her sister just sitting there listening to Jesus. In fact, she was so annoyed, she asked Jesus to uh, tell Mary to help me out. However, Jesus told her that she was distracted by all the small things and she'd missed the main thing, which Mary hadn't. Just to listen to him. Just think if Jesus was here, and you'd missed him because you were faffing around with something. Let's now look at three examples where Jesus was the host. One of these is an impromptu occasion because 5,000 people came to hear him speak and there was no food. So he took five loaves, two fishes, blessed them and fed them to the crowd as God multiplied the meal. It wasn't just enough to fill them all. There were 12 baskets of leftovers. Jesus was a generous host. He was also a humble host. When he called his disciples to the Last Supper, 
He took off his upper garment, wrapped a towel round his waist, and filled a basin with water. He then went to wash his disciples' feet, the job of the lowest female servant. A horrible job, after the disciples had walked through the dusty, mucky streets of Jerusalem. He said, If I, your Lord and Master, wash your feet, you also should wash each other's feet. And finally, we come to the meal that we were just reading about. As they land on the shore, they find that Jesus has got a fire burning, and he's actually cooked them fish and bread, which men didn't do in those days. And then he asked them for the fish that they caught. He welcomes the disciples, all of whom had let him down when he was arrested. And perhaps as they were sitting round that fire, Peter remembered the times when he sat round a courtyard fire and three times denied knowing Jesus. After the meal, Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And commissions him to pastor the new church. This was a meal of forgiveness. So what about us? How can we be more Christ-like when we meet for a meal? Hopefully restrictions are going to be lifted and soon we'll be able to enjoy more meals together. Open-minded. Let's be open to any invitations, even if that puts us out of our comfort zone. Whether we're being asked to eat food from another culture, where we feel a bit on our own, or if we wonder what people will think if we go to a particular place. Now, when we were in Peckham, Gareth worked on a regeneration program, and he was put on a project with a guy called Peter. Gareth noticed that Peter seemed to have some sort of antipathy towards him. It emerged that when Peter came out as gay, his parents, who attended a Baptist church in Wales, were asked to leave the church just because of their son. So Peter, understandably, was not thrilled to be harnessed with a Welsh Baptist minister. However, Gareth won him over and they became friends. And Peter invited us to a party at his house. Now, we could have found an excuse not to go. In fact, we didn't know anyone else there apart from Peter. As it turned out, we were the only heterosexual couple there, and it was like a different culture for us. And we could have been concerned about what some people at church may have said about us going there. However, we were delighted to go because it showed that Peter regarded us as friends, and hopefully we had altered his perception of Christianity. Respectful. Without being aware of it, we can treat people differently at a meal. For example, if royalty was coming to the house, you'd have it scrubbed within an inch of its life, you'd have the best food out and the best china. Jesus wouldn't have done that. Now, we used to run a group for the mentally unwell. 
And we got to know, among others, a lady called Janet, who was unemployed and poor. We invited her for Sunday lunch, and I bought a rather cheap joint and got a shop-bought pudding. On the Sunday, however, Gareth told me that Janet had rung up to say she was unable to come. But as he knew I'd prepared for visitors, he'd invited Helen and Andy for lunch. They were quite posh, and Helen was a good cook, so I felt really embarrassed about the meal I prepared. I felt God taught me a lesson about treating people equally and with respect. Now, as I said, Martha's the one we can probably most relate to. Sometimes it's an effort to entertain other people. Now, I'm neither a competent nor a confident cook, so I can become self-conscious about the meal and fuss too much about what other people think. Mind, even if we've produced a great meal, there's another way in which we can be poor hosts. Mary listened to Jesus. And sometimes we can dominate the conversation and not find out more about our guests. There was a guy called Dave who lived with us for a year while doing a gap year at our inner city church. And he invited us to his wedding. Now, pre-pandemic, I often found that weddings could be all about the bride and groom, you know, the bridezilla complex, and less about the guests. However, when we went down to sit down for the meal, we found that Dave and his wife had written on each place setting what each guest meant to them, which must have taken them a time which they could have spent on doing something for themselves. And I've never actually forgotten what he wrote and what it meant. Generosity. We want to be generous hosts and give them the best, regardless of who the guests are. In our last church, Broadmead, the church was involved in something called Christian Kitchen. This was an amazing initiative set up by a great guy called Norman. It was based near the large Walthamstow market, and market traders donated unwanted fresh food, vegetables, bread, cake, etc. And also supermarkets provided produce. He used a nearby church's industrial kitchen to cook for about 70 people and bought a van from which the food could be distributed. And the van also carried benches and chairs. Norman wasn't content to serve just one course, but every night there was fresh food, fresh soup and bread, a main meal with rice or pasta plus salad. This was followed by dessert and then tea and coffee, and it was always enough for seconds. A lady called Sonia made the soup each night, and a chap called Michael made some very inventive desserts out of cake, custard, and fruit. So the churches took it in turns to cook the main meal and serve it. Norman could have delivered a basic beef burger to each person, but he had a generous heart. Humble. Sometimes we can show off a bit when we are at a meal, either through our cooking or our conversation. If we were to have a big meal here, 
Would we be happy to be the one in the background peeling the potatoes or cleaning the big pots afterwards? Thinking back to the Christian kitchen, Sonia came down every night to peel vegetables, cook them, and liquidize them into soup. She didn't go out on the van and receive the thanks that we did, but I believe she was very special to Jesus' heart. If we sit down for a meal with somebody, we're saying we're at peace with them. And for years, meals have been a mark of peace. And there may be some of us here who know that there are people that we should sit down with. And like Jesus, bring about forgiveness and new beginnings. Not necessarily perhaps somebody we've been in dispute with, but somebody we've ignored. Perhaps because we felt they were not like us. As we prepare to enjoy meals with each other again, can we remember to be open-minded, respectful, attentive, generous, humble, and forgiving? In Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. For more information, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.